On this episode of Locked On Lightning, we're talking about World Juniors and is the NHL going to expand to 84 games? We talk about that all and more, but first, let's play that music. Your Locked On Lightning, your daily podcast on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. I want to thank everybody for making us your first listen of the day. On this episode of Locked On Lightning, we're discussing the World Juniors as well as the NHL expanding to 84 games, possibly, potentially. So why don't we talk about that? Because that is something that came up last week. And if you remember from the last episode, I was dealing with this virus where I was just, I lost my voice. And it was almost a miracle that I was able to get out the episodes I did uh, last week. And, and yeah, just, you know, but I'm, I'm back to normal now. Finally, the mystery illness that I had, I went to, uh, you know, urgent care to see what happened. They don't know what happened. But anyway, the NHL announced last week that they will or potentially are discussing the possibility of expanding to 84 games. Uh, right now, if, you don't, if you're not aware, the NHL currently plays only 82 games, which I think is the proper amount of games played. Now, you know, whenever, and we've spoken about this, and, and, and not really spoken about this on the show, but it is every couple of years or so, not so much in the NHL, but in other sports, you saw it in the, in the NFL, they expanded their season this year. Uh, we've heard it with baseball. We've heard it about basketball cutting off on there. And and there's always different reasons to that. And the the NFL obviously has done that because, you know, with the preseason games, those guys play a, played, I think, believe at one point, four preseason uh, games, which was ridiculous. Uh, obviously, when it, and the whole point of that is to drive up revenue, play more meaningful games, avoid less meaningful injuries and less meaningful games. Now, the NHL, the reason why they would do that, and if you want to follow along, I'm list, I'm looking at a good, uh, as always, the great work of Greg, Greg Wyshynski, uh from ESPN. Now, as it currently states, uh, each team plays either three or four games against divisional opponents for a total of 26 games. They play three games against non-divisional teams within their own conference for a total of 24 games. And they play two games home and away against opponents from other from the other conference for a total of 32 games. Now, what this would do is adding those two extra games would would guarantee every team plays the even amount of games against their divisional rivals. And I think that we don't have to, and, and I, and you know, that's that's what the disguise is. I feel like the NHL is trying to mask this this reasoning, and, and really, I think really what it is is let's face it, COVID really hurt the league um, more than any other professional sports team. It, it really, really 
made the NHL uh, cut into its finances and really lose out on a lot of profit, especially the Canadian teams. Because as we all remember, or maybe not remember, um, when we got back from COVID after the bubble and we played those seasons afterwards, uh, the shortened season, the 56-game season, uh, let's all remember that, yeah, the, you know, there was there was teams being able to, to play um, in their own arenas, but only teams in North America, uh, I mean, excuse me, in the United States, actually, well, certain parts of North America, uh, United States, excuse me, were able to play in front of fans. I mean, Tampa was able to play in front of fans, I believe, right away, if, if, memory, if memory serves right. Um, but the Canadian teams, and that's really where I think the NHL makes their money is from the Canadian teams. They, they obviously, you know, majority, if not all those teams play in front of packed out arenas almost every night, except maybe for Vancouver. And, you know, that's probably it off the top of my head. Maybe Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg gets a good draw, but the fact of the matter is, is that you know, those teams going pretty much the entire season, uh, that screws up the entire revenue sharing system. And and then obviously coupled that with the other teams um, in the league that maybe we're not playing with fans in, in the stands for the full season or some part portion of the season – that hurt the league, and, and you know that has resulted obviously in the in the salary cap not going up. And so I get that reasoning. I don't think, and maybe this is just me. I'm pretty sure a lot of you listening and watching would probably agree that two more games isn't going to make that big of a difference in the long run. I think. Um, I, I think that if you want to get fans in the arenas, especially in the arenas of the teams that don't exactly draw a lot. First of all, I mean, if you want to if you want to draw fans, I, I mean, the NHL, you have to fix the whole situation going on with Arizona. Either either have commit resources to that team so they don't have to play in front of five thousand people. Listen, the atmosphere, if you've watched Coyotes game when they're at home, it's great. I mean, it's college atmosphere. College hockey has one of the greatest atmospheres, I think, or just college sports has one of the greatest atmospheres in all of American sports. But at the same time, 5,000 fans as opposed to 17 is, you know, a huge, huge drop off. And I really think that the NHL needs to make a decision there. Now, obviously, if you want to l learn more about that, go to Locked On Coyotes. I'm sure they've talked about it on their show. Um, but my opinion on that, especially when it ties into the 82-game season or a potentially progression into 84, my thing is that just fix the schedule. You don't have to add two more games. I mean, you know, we say that now that we say it now that, you know, 82, 84 games wouldn't make a big difference in terms of revenue, but it would make a big difference in terms of maybe how these players condition in the offseason, how coaches make decisions throughout the course of the season and, and potentially how your team's going to look going into the playoffs. You know, and in teams like Tampa Bay, who, who are in the playoffs every year 
and and are expected and and have made deep runs that sort of plays against them you know and and, and i think if you add two extra games it's going to take a couple of years for i think the league to adjust now so to solve this problem because it's not a hard problem because i feel like oftentimes with the nhl we overcomplicate things we overcomplicate situations and and there's oftentimes a loss of somewhat pretty much common sense and, and so my my suggestion is you know maybe don't play the western conference every year or or what what i mean by that is the eastern conference plays one year on the west and then the next year you know you go back and forth it doesn't have to be one in one now i get it that that builds up you know especially for you know the small market teams like in arizona um like minnesota who yeah in to some degree they are small market because yeah it's state of hockey but at the end of the day teams like kraken like the kraken um teams like a buffalo who are very talented and still have trouble kind of bringing people in obviously it helps when you have guaranteed on the schedule you got superstars left and right when you got cooch point stamkos you got crosby and malkin you got mcdavid um you know the list goes on you, you know the number of names that are coming through your building throughout the year those are most times automatic sellouts um and you also get the fans of the opposing team that live in your city to be able to travel there as well. So you get that. Uh, one of my fondest memories of watching the Lightning was in Jersey last year, last, uh, one of the last games of the season, or even against the Islanders. I mean, Lightning fans travel super well, obviously. Um, but the easy solution to this is just cut down on the extra games for the West Coast games um, and just play against or or maybe and maybe do two games against non-divisional games and the, against non-divisional teams and then just add those to the division because at the end of the game at the end of the season or just you know the hardcore fans of those teams of the home teams we want to see more matchups against buffalo against detroit against florida against boston you know I'd rather see the Lightning play more games against their division rivals. It's going to make for great storylines, especially at the end of the season. No one's going to care when the Lightning are in the middle of a playoff race or or when it, you know, or when they're trying to sort out their seeding towards the end of the year. Nobody wants to see the Lightning play San Jose in the midst of games or a stretch that's going to determine whether they're going to finish in second or third in the division. Um, no one's going to want to see the lightning play Dallas, uh, that could potentially come down to a game where that could determine whether or not they make the playoffs. Obviously the lightning won't be in that kind of situation, but just for hypotheticals, that's, that's what I came up with. So I, I think the solution is, is there. I don't think we need to go to an 84 game season. I think that the lightning, I mean, excuse me, the, the NHL front office, Gary Bettman, um, who, you know, as hated as he is around the league, 
there's one thing that can't be disputed is yes, I have disagreed with some of his decisions in the past, but at the end of the day, you can't disagree with the fact that Gary Bettman has made more money for the NHL than any commissioner ever. I mean, there's a reason why he's the longest reigning commissioner of any professional sports team in North American history. So take that into account. So my, my, my ruling for this situation is just add more games, more meaningful games on the schedule, go half and half every year. So one game on the West Coast, West Coast trip, bam, Lightning are done with that. West, West Conference, Western Conference comes over the next year, bam, they're done. They don't have to make that long travel because I'm sure the Western Conference team's fans or the Western Conference teams don't want to come over to the Eastern Conference uh, late in the season when they're struggling and have to worry about that. So, you know, I think that's the solution that helps everybody. I think especially a team that's rolling, they want to play more meaningful games against their division instead of playing against out-of-division, out-of-conference games uh, and where, you know, the opposing, the, the teams that they're trying to catch in their division are just keep on running away because they're not playing divisional rivals either. So let me know what you think in the comments below. I want to hear all your comments. I want to hear all what you think, how the NHL should solve this. Because listen, I think that's the best way to make more money for the league is meaningful games, not out of conference games, not out of divisional games, not an excessive, uh, at least amount of those games. Make more divisional rival games. It'll make for better quality on TV, uh, in the arena, and it'll drive up sales all around. So we're going to talk about the World Juniors. How should we, how seriously should we take the performances of Lightning prospects, or just general, generally, as hockey fans? How should we take the World Juniors? Uh, should we just take a look back as all right, these guys are developing, or should we look at it as the future, like this is what you see is what you get. Uh, we'll talk about that. But first, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by NHTSA. Now, let me let me give you a little bit of a, a picture here, okay? The holidays, everybody's driving around, everybody's drinking, everybody's having a good time, but you need to be safe. You need to be safe around for your sake, for your family's sake, and the sake of other people on the road. Now, you're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. Who hasn't? And a few becomes too many as the evening comes to an end. And people start to head out. And you think of calling for a ride. But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You totally your car. You totally your car. Or you kill someone. Now, everyone knows about the risk of drunk driving. The results are tragic and awfully deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you're th if so, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a drive, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. So drive sober or get pulled over. I'm going to say that again. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right. So once again, I want to thank everybody for making us your first listen of the day. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Podcasts are distributed in audio form. 
That's on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever they are distributed. We are there. And you go ahead and follow us on our social media pages at LO underscore lightning on Twitter, as well as locked on underscore lightning on Instagram. Give me a follow on Twitter at Danky Dank, D-E-N-K-Y-D-A-N-K. I love hearing about hearing from all of you, especially through the YouTube comments as well. So go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that notification button and throw us a thumbs up and a comment below. So as soon as the newest episode drops, you could comment on it, listen to it, watch me. Uh, and yeah, let me know what you think about the whole 84 game season thing. Do you like it? Do you think it's going to be useful in, you know, down the road, maybe in future years for certain teams? Do you think it's going to play into certain teams way of playing? Um, but you know, maybe if, if it comes into the equation in future years, some of the players that are playing in the world juniors right now, as it started today, the tournament started today. We saw a lot of interesting results um, from the World Juniors thus far. Um, it, it was a very eventful day, I'll give you that. I mean, I, I was able to watch some of the games. I watched some of the USA game. Uh, that was very interesting. And you have some lightning prospects in these, obviously. You know, that's the fun thing uh, about watching these games is that you kind of get to see how things have gone or how you know what kind of what are you what are you getting you know from from guys that have been drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning uh so just a recap of the world juniors Switzerland beat Finland in an upset in OT 3 to 2 Sweden absolutely annihilated Austria 11 nothing the USA beat Latvia 5 to 2 uh lightning prospect Dylan Duke was on team USA in that game and then you had Czech, Czechoslovakia, or um, excuse me, the Czech Republic, uh, upset Canada 5-2. Uh, great goal from most likely the first uh, pick of the NHL draft next year from Connor Bedard in that one. So, uh, yeah, so just going to list off some of the players that in the Lightning organization are playing in this, this tournament. Uh, 2021 fourth round draft pick out of the University of Michigan, Dylan Duke, who has some has experience playing on Team USA. He played on the 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 uh, the 18 and under team, or the I believe it was whatever the junior the junior team for that. Uh, so he's has been playing well at Michigan, and I think that being able to be not only playing at a high level at Michigan, but being able to be paired up with other prospects who are going to be the top guys at their respective teams, I think is going to really help him out. Um, you know, I've heard in some certain instances from coaches that they really look at the world juniors as kind of how is this guy, you know, because it's one thing, especially for USA prospects to where, you know, they play in the juniors here and there and, you know, whether it be, in the U.S. or maybe in Canada or, or somewhere else in the world, or, or and then they go to college. And, you know, it's I, I think in a way college hockey has caught up in recent years. Um, I, I felt like growing up now I'm 30 years old, so obviously it's changed a little bit. I felt like growing up, you didn't see a lot of college kids coming out. And I think the level uh, of hockey that is being played now, um, a lot of NHL teams, I think, are almost starting to prefer depending on what position you play, how old you are, they would prefer that you, unless you're a bona fide, you know, Connor McDavid, 
Connor Bedard, you know, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin kind of player. Um, I think a lot of teams would prefer their players and to go to college instead of, you know, coming to the NHL and playing in the minors or playing at the NHL level uh, right away just to get that experience. And I think from what I've heard from coaches, I think a lot of people look at the World Junior Championships as a way to kind of see how do you blend in with other players that you don't necessarily, you know, have much to really relate to uh, or how do you play against certain players around the world? Because that's obviously what you're going to be doing at the NHL level. Uh, so Dylan Duke, he's in his sophomore year at Michigan. Um, and and I didn't see what line he was on today. I completely forgot during the game. But from what I could tell, from what I saw, he is very composed out there. I mean, the kid is 19, 20 years old. And, and he's playing against the, ble- the, the future of the NHL out there. And, you know, Lafia, they, they have some players here and there. Um, but I, I think he got obviously overlooked on the ice out there today because you you look at who's around him. Obviously, the big story on that team is Luke Bedo- uh, Luke Hughes, who is the kid brother of Jack and Quinn. Um, and, and he's really the top guy. He's going to be playing on the Devils uh, the next couple of years. But uh, in, in the moments that I saw Dylan, uh, when he had the puck and when he was skating around, he did a very good job of, you know, not staying still. You oftentimes see in the NHL young players, uh, especially on the off- offensive side, things almost get caught standing there. And then especially if a if a break uh, happens the other way, you're kind of left flat footed. Um, so good to see from him. Hopefully we could see him uh, continue uh, to improve as the tournament goes on. And I'm sure he definitely will with the class and level of players that are around him on Team USA. So Alan Finland, Nico Huntinen, um, a lot of people think, and, and including from everything that I have heard, uh, and I'm sure that I'm mispronouncing his name, he was drafted in 2021 in the seventh round. He's a right winger. Uh, he's probably the second top prospect uh, out of all the guys that are playing out of the Lightning organization uh, in uh, in this tournament. Uh, I've, number one being Dylan Duke. Um, and he's playing on a very good fit finished team. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, you know, how, like, like I said, you know, I'm not looking at what really so much these guys have done before they've gotten to the tournament. Cause like I've said, you're playing against the cream of the crop out there, uh, on the ice guys who you will be playing. If you make it to the NHL and they do, you'll be playing against these guys for the next 15 years. So, you know, this is really kind of like NHL 2.0, if you really want to look at it that way. Um, and as well as we're not even talking about the Olympics. Um, but yeah, these guys, you know, um, I want to see Hunted and see how he he plays out there because Finland is one of the big favorites coming in. Um, and he's averaged a shade under a point per game uh, in the Liga, which is you know, the Swedish uh, hockey league and he's 19 years old. So, you know, he's kind of at that age where we're going to start to see if whether or not in the next two years or so uh, we're discussing him, whether, and I don't think he's going to break into the NHL squad anytime soon, especially with what the lightning have out at their NHL level. And and some of the names that are coming out of Syracuse as well. Um, he's one of those guys that I think even if he, 
he's going to have to completely blow the doors off the shed uh, in camp over the next couple of years. And, and, you know, even in international play for the Lightning to seriously consider putting him on some sort of line. Who knows? Maybe we'll be having that conversation when Maroon and, you know, Perry and uh, Belmar, you know, they're getting up there in age. So, you know, those guys can't play forever. And the Lightning obviously are going to have to make moves at certain points. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll opt out eventually uh, for some younger talent. Um, Claves Weinbergs, uh, left winger from Lafia. Um, I saw I was he was the one that stuck out to me and I completely forgot at that point in time up until probably midway through the first that he was a lightning prospect. Uh, he was a seventh round pick. That's why in last year's draft in 2022 draft, uh, but a big kid. Um, he I he moves around impressively well um, for a guy who's that big at the left winger position. Um, you know, you have to remember these kids are 18, 19 years old. So when you see a six, three guy out there on the ice, I mean, these kids are still developing. I mean, it, he, he kind of sticks out. So, you know, he's one of those guys where I, I, I'm curious to see what he turns into. Um, I'm my worry with big guys, um, that are so raw as Weinberg's is that they don't sometimes develop that agility to where they could, um, they could compete at the NHL level. Now, obviously he's a seventh round pick and I'm sure he, if he does come to Syracuse and, and he'll come to the camps, obviously, and he's clearly playing, um, at the top level. He will develop over time. He'll work on things. Um, the one thing that I do notice, I was looking at some of his his highlights prior uh, after, was that he um, he was able to when he shoots the puck, the puck kind of just explodes, and obviously that's a product of of him being as big as he is. But the puck does explode off his off his shot off his stick uh, in a way that gives me a lot of hope that for the future, you know. Once everything comes together for him, I think he's going to be a top prospect and he's going to be someone who is going to be eventually, you know, he kind of reminds me in a way. Um, and this is a very loose comparison is Jack Finley. We, we know him from a couple of years ago. Uh, he's making heads turn in Syracuse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are the three guys you have to worry about or not really, really worry about, but guys that you're going to have to keep an eye out for as the the tournament progresses and I'm, and I'm excited. Like I said, um, I wish the best of luck for all these guys. Obviously you want to see them play. So, you know, if you want to root for those teams, so you could see them more of them, obviously you're going to root for USA uh, unless you're, you know, you're overseas, obviously root for your own country, Lafia and Finland uh, and, and just notable names not to make the tournament were Roman Schmidt and Isaac Howard would have liked Isaac Howard to make the team because there was so much hype after um, last year's draft, um, and and he definitely has the talent to play, um, but you know things haven't really exactly gone his way uh, during his freshman season at Minnesota Duluth. But he will be eligible for the 2024 season, so you know who knows? Maybe he'll be able to break through then because you know he Isaac Howard is one of those guys where I look at him as potentially being the future, one of the top future scorers once. You know, Stamkos eventually does retire um, and, and point and Kucherov start to get into the later stages of their career. 
you know, then we'll be having the conversation about guys like Jack Finley, like Isaac Howard, um, uh, like like Dylan Duke uh, being the new faces of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So wrapping things up here on the show, uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for making us your first listen of the day. And if you haven't already done so, please go ahead once again, like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, follow us wherever podcasts are distributed in audio form. We are available on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, hit that thumbs up, like I said, and the notification button. And most importantly, subscribe to our social media pages. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk more lightning hockey, uh, more junior hockey as the tournament continues. That The tournament runs until January 5th. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that as well. Like I said, root for Team USA, Lafia, and Finland. Definitely want to see those three guys continue to play so we could see how they progress throughout uh, the tournament against some of the top young up-and-coming talent in the world. And, and, you know, this is, like I said, the future of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the future of the NHL uh, developing in front of our eyes. And, and I'm, that stuff, you know, has to excite you. And obviously, we'll be talking about upcoming games as well for the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, as they wrap up 2022 and then begin to start their campaign in 2023. So in the meantime, that's been it for this episode of Locked on Lightning, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. I'll talk to you in the next one.